Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. It's great to be back with you at our show, Taking Care of Business. Uh, I met today's guest almost 18 years ago when I was looking for a job. As a new immigrant, I had trouble getting hired by a commercial real estate brokerage. And um, I was 40 years old. I had a weird accent and uh, not best language skills that some people still think that I have weird accent and bad language skills. I had no experience in real estate and I was new to the city. Not exactly the typical hire for a sales organization. And yet my guest today, his only comment when I came for the interview was, if he's a good person, bring him on. We need good people in the industry. And today's guest, my guest today is John Trod. He's my guest today, but he's also my mentor over the years on what to do and also what not to do in commercial real estate. Good morning, John. Thanks morning. for having us. Thanks for having us in your office. Thank you. <laughs> um, let me share some of your bio with our listeners, okay? Um, and then we'll dive into your history and your uh, business uh, experience and, and, and adventures. So you were born in Bing Springs, Texas. And uh, you live, but you live most of your life in Canada, and you call Calgary home. Uh, you attended uh, the Royal Roads Military College in Victoria, British Columbia, followed by the Royal Military College in Kingston, Ontario, just northeast of uh, Toronto. John has been in real estate since 1972. In 1973, he founded uh, in Calgary his first company, Toronto Realty Commercial Real Estate Brokerage, and in 1990 he opened his Edmonton office. Five years later, John purchased Knowlton Realty, expanding his reach to new markets such as Vancouver and Toronto. In 96, John took Toronto Realty public, and in 2004, John sold the commercial brokerage and started TRL development. In 2006, you were elected as by the Alberta Venture Magazine as one of the one of Alberta's 50th most influential people. Um, and today. Under the banner of Toronto Realty Advisor, the company is busy with mixed-use developments and syndication, as well as brokering real, real estate transactions from time to time. John is very involved in the Calgary uh, art community and always has been. He served on the boards of Theatre Calgary, the Calgary Centre of Performing Arts, Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra, and currently is on the board of Calgary Opera and Theatre Junction. John is a proud father of four kids, David, Rhys, Cole, and Stella. So David and Cole are already entrepreneurs, right? Yes. They own a Rosso Cafe, which they were, they were our guest a couple of months ago, and they're growing their business. Rhys is working with you. Yes. But the question is, do you see Stella as an entrepreneur in the future? Well, she's a good negotiator. She <laughs> continually negotiates with me, when, especially when we're uh, out shopping somewhere. I see it. Now, just for everybody to understand, Stella is eight years old. Yes. So you see her kind of following the footsteps of entrepreneur and telling the boys how to do it right in a few years. I think so. <laughs> Once again, John, thanks for hosting us and uh, being our guest on Taking Care of Business. And So let's talk about a, a little bit about history. Uh, when when did you move to Canada? You were born in Texas. When did you guys move to Canada and where, where did you spend your youth? 
My my father got hired by Shell out of, uh, he graduated from McGill as a geologist, got hired by Shell. I was born in Texas. We moved to Canada when I was about five and a half. And, and uh, so he obviously was with Shell Canada and we moved around the way the oil business moved around in those days. So it was Calgary, Regina, Edmonton, Calgary, Edmonton, Houston, Edmonton. <laughs> And then uh, finally, my parents moved to Calgary when I went away to university. I see. Um, uh, so your youth years, you spent where in Edmonton or all over the place? More, more in Edmonton, but I switched schools 12 times in 12 years. Oh, wow. That's, so, that's almost a record, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and your high school was Edmonton? Or? Yes. And, but okay. we did go to Houston for the first half of grade 12. My dad was on a course, and so mm-hmm. I... I went to Robert E. Lee High School in the first half of grade 12. Uh, Robert Lee. Robert E. Lee. Oh, uh, that's a name that came to the news lately. Yes. <laughs> um, sports? Were you active in sports as a, as a youth? Well, I played soccer uh, uh, all through university and rugby. And then I played rugby with the local, uh, the Canucks are called. Uh, I can't remember how long ago. 15 years ago, I probably quit playing, but... I did play in a soccer league with all three sons, uh, and we just stopped that two years ago. I see. Uh, they stopped or you stopped? They stopped. They <laughs> decided to do something else. I see. And um, other than sports, did you have any other activity as a young uh, gentleman? Any work after school or after sports, or just sports in school? Just mostly sports in school. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the uh, Royal Military College. What was that all about? I don't think that in uh, those days, Royal Military College was very kind of, you know, common thing. It wasn't. Uh, my dad brought home a brochure from uh, the military uh, and said, this might be something of interest. You go on a scholarship, so you get your way paid. And uh, it was a way for me to get out of the house and go away to university rather than, at the time, go to U of A. Mm-hmm. We were in Edmonton at the time. So... So I really didn't know what I was getting into, but uh, <laughs> I, did, I did manage to get into uh, Royal Roads at the time. So did you see yourself as a professional soldier? Well, you have to serve four years after you do four years at college. And uh, uh, unfortunately, I got uh, uh, kicked out of the Royal Military College with three months to go. I see. Um, and um, can, why were you kicked out? Well, it's uh, interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I was caught with a girl in my room, and at the time, uh, the colleges weren't co-ed. But I've been back to a number of reunions, and they now are co-ed. So, so are you thinking of going back? Well, I was thinking I'm finishing go back the and three months. Get my degree. Yeah. <laughs> it's only three months left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see. And uh, so you're being kicked out of uh, college or military college for. Certain reasons, and um, how older were you at that time? Twenty-one. So, what's the next step? You get a job. You go back to you think about another university. Well, I actually uh, went to Florida, got a job working there as a uh, pool boy, and well, valet. I started as a valet guy, parking cars, and then a pool boy, and then I started selling vacuum cleaners, and then decided it was time to come home. So that I did that for about uh, eight months. I lived in Miami. <clears throat> how how successful were you as a vacuum cleaner salesman? 
I won a number of competitions. I see. <laughs> <laughs> it was great training. It's door to door, face to face. You know, it's uh, it's uh, great training on uh, seeing people's body language. It 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 taught me that uh, people don't phone in and order things. If you're there face to face, looking at them, uh, I think that's a very important way to see how people are reacting. And this experience, did it help you kind of decide that sales is your future? It did. My dad was, he owned some uh, houses at the time. Uh, and so he said, why don't you look at real estate? And there was a new company that just started up in the neighborhood, which at the time was Lake Bonavista. So I joined Cali and Keith. I was their sixth uh, salesman that joined them. And uh, I learned, you know, I learned the business. Dave Cowley was a very charming guy and very outgoing, but I learned the business basically uh, that you had to speak to people in person. Uh, I call it eyeball to eyeball. So it's seeing body language, getting to know what they're feeling. And uh, I think, frankly, the Internet today and emails and all that stuff, I think, has hurt the the uh, sales business. And uh, so you, you joined in 72 and were you doing commercial or residential? No, selling houses. I specialized in Lake Bonavista, Willow Park. And then after a year and a half, I decided to start my own firm and uh, started in, again in residential and then eventually decided residential was, you had to be big and have 10 offices in Calgary and decided that commercial was a better way to go much so, more competitive but so more or less what are you what 23 24 I would have been uh, 27 at the time mm-hmm. I think I see so you got into real estate just because your dad told you you should look at real estate or was there other kind of you know people or events that influenced your decision to kind of focus on real estate well I'd always found it interesting my dad had even though he was a geologist, had built uh, the last three homes that uh, they lived in. And so just talking around around the dinner table about how to build a house and all that sort of thing, but you know, that had influence on me too. I see. And uh, so when you started your uh, Turod Realty at the time, you said you started a residential and you switched to commercial. What was kind of, how, how did you get to that decision that you want to focus on commercial rather than residential? Well, the, the numbers of people in residential at the time, and I don't remember the number, but there was, Royal Trust came in here and opened 10 offices. And my view was uh, I'm going to have a struggle competing against Royal Trust when they can throw a lot of money at it. And they were, you know, that was driving their mortgage business and driving other businesses besides just real estate. So I came to the conclusion that there's, you could have, if you had more expertise in commercial, then you could compete in the commercial market. And at the time, a number of the nationals weren't in Calgary. Right. So uh, the big companies were probably Knowlton and uh, LePage. I see. Um, And... um so it, it runs in the family entrepreneurship. You said your dad built the, the homes that they were living in. Any other entrepreneurs in your family? Is it a family thing, being an entrepreneur? I, I don't know. My mother never worked, uh, but 
Ooh, I, she don't want to say that if she was a stay-at-home mom in today's world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she supported my dad, obviously, in his efforts. But uh, my sister, you know, started her own travel agency and still has that today. And uh, So it does run in the family. Yeah, and maybe that, it does. and David have their own uh, business. Yes. So it, it runs in the family. So in 1973, when you started uh, your company, I was in grade nine. And um, at that time, I, I don't know, I'm asking, um, were the words mission, vision, purpose kind of common or it was just open a business and let's run with it? I, I think uh, I didn't focus on the competition. I focused on where I thought there was maybe voids in the market. Uh, you know, at the time when I was you know, on my own in residential, we had a, the, our own company, there was what were called for sale by owners. So people would try and sell their house themselves so that they could save on the commission. And I would go through the reverse directory. The, the uh, newspaper came out in the mornings then. I'd go through the reverse directory and I'd try and be the first person to go visit them, find out where they're moving and if they're... Uh, going to list their house if they don't sell it themselves. Most of them said yes. They tell you where they're moving or they're looking for a new house. So I gave you a customer and uh, I picked up a number of listings, which to me would, I call it having groceries on the shelf. If you've got listings, then you've got things to talk to people about and, and to sell. So that's applicable, I think, to commercial real estate too. If you don't have any it's great to talk in theory, but if you don't have any listings to specifically look at, that's a challenge. But but uh, when you started your company, did you have a business plan or, or a goal, a target, or you just said, I I know what I'm going to do, you know, I have the confidence, I'm just going to hit it hard and see what the results are? Probably. Was there a plan or was it like, let's go and do it? Uh, it was more or less go and do it. I see, which is not common today. No, no. And today with your company, do you have mission, vision, purpose, or it's, again, let's go do it well, I think mentality? The, well, I think the business is an opportunity business. I'm always looking at the market to see what opportunities there might be out there. And uh, I think you pursue those opportunities. And there's opportunities to find deals, and then there's opportunities to look at new cutting-edge not technology because the business isn't that technical, but if you look at development, there's new products, there's new ideas, whether it's kitchens or bathrooms or showers or whatever it happens to be, or new ways of uh, constructing. Mm -hmm. um, so you start road in uh, in Calgary and you build it in Calgary. It takes you 16, 17 years and then you decide that Calgary is too small, you need to reach to new markets. You opened Edmonton. Well, we bought Edmonton. Canada Trust had sold their their uh, commercial division to uh, CB, but they CB didn't buy the Edmonton office. So I did a deal with uh, Canada Trust to buy the Edmonton office. There were six salesmen in the office at the time, but the manager was a good guy, uh, Dick Schwan, and so uh, so we got into Edmonton and and. We would go together to Toronto to sell Alberta. I see. Same as today? 
Yeah. <laughs> um, we have to take our first commercial break. Uh, make sure to open a new tab and check Toroad Realty Advisors website, www.toroad.com. Check out their new developments in Calgary, Edmonton, and Airdrie, and we will meet you back here following the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I-Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with our guest, John Turod, president of Turod Realty Advisors. And John... um, before we kind of went into the commercial break, we spoke about your expansion to Edmonton. And then in 95, you do a very ballsy uh, move. You buy a company that seems to me at that time was a little bit bigger than you or maybe way bigger than yours. You buy Norton Realty with offices in Toronto and Vancouver. What was that all about? Well, I came to the conclusion that if you're going to be in the business, commercial real estate in Canada, that you need to be, Toronto is certainly the, uh, head of real estate uh, thinking, I guess, in Canada. And then uh, Vancouver is a b- very big market and was expanding. So I thought there was an opportunity to, to buy it. Uh, he had, Mr. Knowlton had had a deal that had fallen through. And I think he was at the stage 
in his life that, it, you know, he was, uh, I think it was time to sort of slow down and because I had modeled the company after Knowlton Realty. I thought a lot of things that he did were excellent in terms of running a sales organization, period, and then how he approached the market. Mm-hmm. And we had... Can you share some examples? We had plagiarized uh, a lot of ideas that he had. Well, one of them was having three sales meetings a week and the salespeople talk about who their prospects are. And uh, they discuss who they are, how they're progressing, and what they hope to accomplish. And it makes them accountable in terms of... uh, not just wandering around in the forest looking for fruit on the ground. It makes them accountable that they've got to stay on top of these customers because they're going to talk to other competitors. Yeah. they got to stay on top of these customers and make sure they can fulfill their needs. And, uh, you know, and I think the training that they did was similar. I plagiarized some of their training, but the training we were doing, for instance, uh, Xerox had a sales course out at the time called Professional Selling Skills. And uh, we put our people through that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, the thing they talked about at the time is need satisfaction selling. Need satisfaction selling is really all about if, if a person doesn't need what you're selling, you're not going to sell them one. Right. So stop <laughs> trying to. So you had to identify whether or not there was a need, whether it's selling vacuum cleaners or whether it was selling commercial real estate or leasing real estate, whatever it happened to be, you had to identify the, the need if it was there. And then if it was, fulfill the need. If it wasn't, then thank you very much. But we, yeah, we understand. Now, when you buy a company like this, which is basically, um, you know, human resources, what you buy, like human intelligence, isn't the kind of fear that people will leave? What was the, you know, what was the result? Did people leave because you bought it and not someone else and they didn't feel comfortable or? We lost a few people out of the, right out of the gate that maybe were planning on leaving in any event, either leaving the industry or leaving right. the, the company. Uh, well, that's where I scrambled to make sure I had my face in front of these people across the country. And then, uh, you know, what it did was it, change my whole uh, uh, approach because now I had a bigger thing to cover and the issue was now you're in four cities as opposed to you got a bigger thing to cover in one place. So I was in Toronto every two weeks. I was in Vancouver every month. Uh, I didn't go to Edmonton as much because I the Edmonton office was already yeah. something that we had and, and I had a great relationship with the sales manager there. But uh, it, it turned my life upside down for a while in terms of uh, just the travel that was involved. I got to the point where I bought a condo in Toronto because I, the hotel thing just became so <laughs> hard. And Did you make money when you sold it? Sold. The condo? Yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and then a year later, you do another ballsy move. You take your company public. What was what, what's behind that? Well, at the time there was a, a program I think that's still around with Alberta Securities that you can do a JCP. It's called Junior Capital Pool, and take a company public. Uh, they wanted small companies to go public that could grow using the public uh, platform. 
And so I decided that that made sense and uh, assembled a board. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, it, I, I would say that was probably a mistake. It was a distraction. I see why. Well, you've got to do all the reports to be public and you're busy instead of you're busy split between running the business and doing deals and reporting and doing a quarterly report and an annual meeting and the board of directors and all that sort of thing. So it, 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 it's split my time in terms of, uh, uh, focus and so on. And that led to your decision in late 2000 to kind of go private again and, and start selling pieces of the publico. Well, we had an opportunity to, to uh, sell off the public company. Uh, a friend of mine needed a public entity, so we did that, and then I, that's when I made the decision to sell off the branches. And that's around the time, shortly before that, I had started syndicating real estate and came to the conclusion that was the future as opposed to just the brokerage business. And so... <clears throat> that's when we sold off, you know, we did a deal with the Calgary office to sell to the partnership, uh, the Edmonton office, eventually uh, some Colliers guys bought that. Uh, we closed the Toronto office and uh, Vancouver, we uh, uh, sold that to the Calgary operation. Right. And you sold the property management before that? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, syndication became your passion, your new passion, doing syndications? <clears throat> well, I came to the conclusion that high net worth individuals uh, want to get into commercial real estate, but it's you can go buy a second house or an up and down duplex or a duplex, but that's, that's going to be difficult. And I had somebody, there was a friend of mine saying they're going to buy a 10-suite apartment building. And I said, you'll get divorced. You, it's too small to manage by a commercial manager. You're going to end up managing yourself and getting phone calls in the middle of the night. Why don't we get 10 guys together and buy a 100-suite apartment and can be professionally managed? We never did do a 100-suite apartment, but we did uh, <coughs> commercial properties. And then a guy would own, an investor would own 10%. And it was managed in, by a professional management company and looked after by somebody else rather than him trying to do it when he's a, a lawyer at a law firm he's got a whole lot of responsibility. Right, and I have to admit that my first investment in commercial real estate is came through you uh, with First Street Plaza that I uh, I bought in, it was my first experience, and that's why I said that you are also my mentor <clears throat> to the good and bad things in real estate, and we're going to go talk about a bad real estate <laughs> soon, as you know me, and uh, I'm, go I'm not going to uh, skip that. Um, so, um, you still do those syndications today? Yes, um, we're doing a combination of both. We're doing development where we buy a piece of land and do the go through the approval process and do development and uh, we manage the development and then look at what to do with the property afterwards, sell it or keep it or whatever. And then we also do syndications where we uh, you know, buy a shopping center and hope to improve on it. Right. And uh, those are more difficult to find today because there's a lot of money chasing existing revenue properties. 
But uh, so in 2004, uh, you made uh, a move and you leave the company that you founded. You sell your last shares and you go uh, full board into the development. You mentioned development. You go full board into the development world. And um, did you have any experience, or was it your kind of uh, you know life experience as I know what I'm doing. I'm going full speed ahead. I'm going to make it happen like you did in 73 and 72 and, and, and over the years. I don't want to sound that cavalier. I, I, am a, <laughs> I am a person that asks a lot of questions. So if I don't understand something, I'm not afraid to admit I don't understand and ask the expert, whether it's designing something and you ask the architect or the lawyer or whatever it happens to be that's related to real estate. I certainly make it known that I don't understand that particular area, you know, where can I find some help? Um, so we <clears throat> we syndicated a number of existing shopping centers uh, and it was just, I'm a real estate junkie. So when I'm in another city, I go look at real estate. I may have nothing to do with anything going on in that real estate, but it's just ideas. I think real estate's an idea business. and. Uh, so if you look at some of the shopping centers that we did end up buying, uh, they were properties that needed to be refurbished or needed just leasing uh, oomph. Uh, so when we bought the the uh, one in Pacific Place Mall in Northeast, everybody said, what are you doing buying an Asian mall? And I said, well, I know this TNT Foods, they're out of uh, uh, Korea. And they specialize in Asian food stores. And so I had walked through one when we listed one in the Vancouver office a couple of years earlier. This is the first one they'd done in Calgary. So, so I said, well, these guys really know what they're doing. And this will help lease up the rest of the space. And so we syndicated it. And uh, then we just said we got to lease up the space. And, and uh, you know, it was a lot of the tenants were three, four hundred square feet at a time. And, uh, you know, we managed to lease it up and and it had very good cash flow. And so as a result, we sold it, we paid 20.8 million for it, we sold it for 41. So there was a nice lift, lift there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, eight years later, it's back on the market for 80. So the next group also, Making progress, <laughs> financial me, progress. Yeah. So, uh, so at the beginning, we bought existing properties. We didn't do any development. And then when it became more difficult to buy uh, shopping centers or uh, office buildings, that's when we got into development. So when you got into the development, your first development, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, was the Arriva, the building we're sitting right now. Yes. And that was a, a challenge for a new developer because it was go big or go home. Because if I remember right, it was <clears> planned <throat> to be over 800 units, the four towers to right. start. Uh, I have to admit, it's one of the nicest, you know, condo uh, projects in Calgary because it's not any more squares like most of our buildings. So that kudos for you. But why did you go so big in your first development? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh what happened is this block came up for sale by the Calgary School Board. And there was a guy in the entertainment business said we should buy this. And 
you know, do some buildings that uh, would be related to the stampede and be sort of clubs and that sort of thing. And uh, so I tied it up and uh, then he changed his mind. And then we started looking at what else could we do with the property. And that's where the concept came up about doing the condos. And then the idea was we were going to sell off the land after we got approvals to do the condos. And then it sort of took on a life of its own. And so we decided to do this this one tower to start. And, uh, you know, it was a challenge. You know, everybody thinks development is easy, but there's all the things you don't think of at the beginning. And as you go through it, you've got to make, you know, there's hundreds of decisions you have to make. Do you want to go with this or go with that? Curtain wall or window wall? This is an example of the exterior of the building. Well, uh, you know, when they showed me the the sample of the glass to go on the outside of this building, the piece of glass was a foot by a foot. Well, that's like saying, okay, I'm going to show you this little piece of, of cloth, and that's we're going to cover an elephant with it. <laughs> so I, I actually got in my car, found out where the Elsa's glass was installed, it was in the floor building way down on McLeod Trail. I got in my car, drove down there, asked the operator, how does it work? Do you have any problems in the wintertime with it? Da-da-da-da-da-da. And came to the conclusion, we should go with it. And so it, it, you, there's all these decisions you have to make that you think the architect would make, but they're, they're really up to you. It's what color car do you want? Yes. Is that, or what interior do you want? Or, you know, that, those sort of things, you make your own decisions. So it was a big, it was a big challenge. Um, and then we got held up in the development permit for the next phase, and that delayed us, and that's when the world Collapsed. came unwound in 0809. Yeah. Um, well, we have to take another break. Okay. And uh, so this is our second break, and when you open uh, your new uh, tab and, and check out uh, www.toro.com, follow them on Twitter and connect with Toroad Realty Advisor on LinkedIn. <clears throat> we'll be back with you following the commercials. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. 
To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I-Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back for the home stretch of today's Taking Care of Business with our guest, John Turod, President of Turod Realty Advisors. John, before we uh, left for uh, for the uh, commercial, you mentioned the world the kind of global economy collapse in 2009. At that time, you were holding a lot of properties, land mostly. Um, in hindsight, was it a mistake to buy so many kind of pieces of land and kind of land banking? Well, we didn't, we didn't have that much land. We had this block. Uh, we had adjacent land that we had bought very well. But what we had was we had $300 million worth of construction underway. So we had hotel arts renovation and expansion. We had uh, the office building at 8th and 8th. And we had uh, phase two of this project under construction. And so and the banks all got jumpy. And uh, so as a result, we were, you know, I, I call it playing goaltender where you got pucks coming at you from all directions. Uh, the land we had in this area uh, basically carried itself on the parking. So that wasn't uh, that bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, where we, you know, had trouble was uh, the lenders got nervous on the construction loans. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> so, um, you know, you're dealing, as you said, you're, you know, trying to stop all the pucks and, and, and that were coming at you at, at a faster pace all the time, I guess. Yeah. Um, how, did, how did it impact your future in business decisions? Well, uh, this experience of 08, 09, 2010, 2011. Well, 09, uh, you know, I uh, ended up declaring bankruptcy. That was in November 09. You're in the penalty box for a year. Uh, we, but I went to the office every day. Uh, you know, we still had our office and assistant. You're just not allowed to earn over a certain amount of money. But I didn't want to, you know, just sit at home. I wanted to make sure I kept my finger on the market and what was going on. So when I was discharged, uh, then I... That year, I sold $100 million worth of real estate as a broker. Mm -hmm. And so that got me going again and then got me back. I I stayed in touch with the market, stayed in tune with the market, but that showed me opportunities that came up. And and, uh, so I ended up, uh, you know, syndicating. And I went back to a lot of the same investors that I had that had made a whole lot of money but also had lost if they were in the last couple of deals. And they said, we think you're going to pick the right deals. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You know, um, I don't know if you remember that, but uh, I met you uh, a few months after you declared your bankruptcy and before, and we knew you were kind of counting the days to get out of it it, at the old office on on the the other block on uh, on 12th. Lisa and Lynham. No, on 12th. Oh, on 12th, yeah. Yeah. And um, I remember one thing you said to me. I asked you, how are you doing? And he said... David, it's rear view mirror. And I want to go, like, we're, we're, this, our show is about, you know, letting other entrepreneurs know that 
it's not always rosy there, but you know, if you struggle and you make it to happen, it is what it is, right? And you can and you can survive. So, where do you get the strength, or where did you get that strength at that time to look at this as rear view mirror? I'm not going to go down. I'm going to go back up. Uh, I'm not sure. I think uh, I've always been a very competitive guy. Whether it's really, I, know, did, I didn't notice that. <laughs> Uh, you know, when it comes to the brokerage business, as a as a broker, there's first prize, there's a big prize. Doesn't matter if you came second or tenth. There's no prize for second. Oh, no silver and bronze medals. No. So you know, I had that competitiveness, and then I I said, well, you know, I could just uh, you know go cry myself to sleep, or I could say I'm going to get up and get going again, and and. Uh, so it's now uh, seven years later. That it'll be seven years in November. I was discharged, uh, and then that gets wiped off your. After seven years, gets wiped off your credit report, and uh, uh, I'll say, well, you know, I sort of use the benchmark. Where's your net worth as a benchmark, and uh, you know, what have you managed to? to do and uh, you know this downturn in the oil business has not been helpful right Uh, but uh, it is what it is and you know we're looking at other maybe other jurisdictions like we we had a shopping center tied up in Phoenix and uh, we ended up dropping it because of uh, we were uncomfortable with the numbers but you know there is other opportunities and I think you know there's a lot of challenges in Canada right now what was the biggest hurdle or challenge uh, since 2010 till today, the seven years that you kind of? Uh, well, I guess it's always that self-esteem thing about, I don't know if you're talking about deals or talking about just what's going on in the, in the wheel in my head. It's that question of self-esteem. And I think what you've got to do is, I used to call it looking out the their windshield or looking in the rearview mirror, just got to keep looking at the windshield and then hope that the analysis you've done on a deal you're doing is good and and uh, uh, and hopefully, you know, I think people rely on you as, as a, bringing investors into deals. They rely on us to do the numbers and make sure we've done them correctly. And so I've got that pressure on myself, making sure I'm, uh, handling other people's money uh, correctly. I see. And um, the, the trust is back from investors? Oh, I think so. I think, uh, I don't think there's an issue about finding investors. The issue is finding deals right now uh, that make make sense. Um, but, you know, it's the old story. If you're out kind of looking at everything, you, you find deals that somehow... Uh, the real estate business is not a perfect uh, business. If you, if you look at it from the perspective, if you own a stock that trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange and you want to sell it, you phone your broker today and he says the bid ask is this. You say, okay, sell the stock. He'll have it sold by the end of the day. That business is very efficient. Real estate is not efficient. A guy says, well, maybe I'll sell my building, and he mentions it to somebody, and then you hear about it through coffee, and, and, and next thing you're in talking to him, that sort of thing. Like, 
when we bought Hotel Arts, which was a Holiday Inn, it wasn't on the market. When we bought uh, another portfolio of properties, it wasn't on the market. I heard about it. So it's very inefficient that way, the real estate business, I think. Is, isn't that also the advantage of uh, the business? Well, that's the good news is that if somebody uh, hasn't done their homework properly, as an example, then you get a better buy than if, uh, if uh, it's impeccable, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, going back to your history, uh, you did spend a few years in the military college. It's only three months that you left kind of uh, a little bit there. Is there anything that you took from the military training or the military education that you brought into your business? <clears throat> That's a good question. I think uh, discipline is one of them uh, and routine. I think uh, routine is a very important thing on whether it's routine for your office or routine for yourself. And You know, I, I'm not running around like a military guy particularly, but, you know, I have, I work out twice a week with a trainer. I work out another once or twice a week on my own. So I try and get into a routine that this is, you know, I have a set time. I go see him and uh, just try and try and stay in that routine as opposed to being just a pinball that you're, what am I going to do today? So I think that's important. I find that. You know, one of the challenges today for me is the Internet. I, I think the Internet has hurt sales. I think people think they can send an email and that will inspire the person at the other end to uh, uh, list it with you or sell it through you or, or whatever, give you the information. I think it's all about what we're doing right now. It's face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, you know, kick the bricks. You know, real estate's very tactile kick the bricks and walk around and see it and uh, understand it from the seller's perspective. Now, you mentioned you also played rugby and soccer, which are team sports. Anything you brought from that world? And you played till last two years, till two years ago, right? Well, I was playing with my sons and I kept telling Cole, stop calling me dad on the field. But um, I think, you know, when you think about it, if you look at those two sports, if you watch them on television, They're disciplined. This is how they play their positions, but it is a team sport. And, uh, you know, unlike football, you know, you've got 11 guys on the field or 15 guys on the field in rugby, and there's only three substitutes, not 60 substitutes. So, you know, it's discipline when it comes to fitness. It's discipline when it comes to the drills. You know, the individual skills of those players, I think, is pretty phenomenal. So, John, 1973, 2017, what's the one big achievement that you carried you and you'll carry you all the time? Well, I was just, when we were on break, I was just looking at this this, uh, photograph over here. Uh, One of the things is public art. I, you know, I I look at the public art we were involved with and, uh, uh, you know, these these pieces... uh, we paid for, there was no tax break. Uh, this one was owned by a group out of Toronto, uh, Vancouver, rather. Uh, that, that one got some controversy in Vancouver, so the fellow said, well, if we can move it somewhere else, we will. These two we, we purchased. This was a local artist. Uh, he did the, uh, 
the merry-go-rounds at the airport at the mm-hmm. at yep. where WestJet is, and then this was a U.S. artist, and this had to do with uh, 9/11, and uh, so we call it Calgary Roots, but it was about a tree that got uprooted when 9/11 happened. So I, I would think that you know I walk by these or see them, and uh, or somebody says, "Hey, I was over by your one that lights up by Hotel Arts." That's really cool, and uh, I think that adds to a city. I think uh, you know we can have efficient office buildings and streets and travel and all that kind of stuff. But I think uh, I think the city's uh, the city of Calgary's uh, art program I think is a is a good one. Uh, the Peace Bridge I really like across the river. Do we run just a bridge, or do what we about the, the the big O next to the airport? Well, I think you know. I think that one's a bit different, uh, to say the least. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> I think that uh, the I think public art, if it creates conversation, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> that definitely created conversation. Yeah. Um, John, how do you measure measure your success? Is there a kind of a KPIs that you get, key performance indicators you work with? How do you measure your success? Is it just money in the bank? Well, I guess if you go back, you know, you know, in 2009, I went back to zero. So you start over at zero, and then you hope that you can get above zero at some point. And uh, so I use that as a gauge. And... Uh, And you know my my investors are important in terms of uh, uh, the support they give me, but also I want to make sure that I'm not doing deals just for the sake of doing deals. So, but I have done some brokerage stuff too in the last while that that uh, I'm just you know finding a buyer for somebody who wants to sell. I see. Um, you know, I have to ask you a few questions. Um, before closing because we're getting really close to the end of the show and I have like uh, a few hundred more questions to you but uh, I think with a uh, problem of time any regrets along this journey? Well on the bankruptcy I would have done it differently we did a plan of arrangement which was done through Ernst Young uh, Sorry I, I, need to, I want to clarify you would do differently the way you purchased before or the program of the bankruptcy itself? The problem with the bankruptcy itself, I would have done it differently. I would have not done a plan of arrangement. I would have tried to deal with each each creditor individually and cut a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing it the way we did, they either voted yes or voted no, and they voted no, obviously. So I, w- I would do that differently. But at the time, you know, it's I, I sort of look at a goalie in... in uh, um, Hockey, you know, you got a lot of pucks coming at you, and you don't know which one to, to stop first. To stop. Yeah, so, you know, but my view has always been, you got to look out the windshield and not in the rearview mirror. And I, I can do that and drive myself crazy, or just keep, you know, running um, ahead. Any <clears throat> any of the investors that were, uh, you know, hurt in 2009 do not want to invest with you anymore. Only one, and. Uh, Somebody reminded me how much money he made uh, with all the other investments. So only one, but I, I think I think everybody else I don't have a I would not have a problem calling right. or going for lunch or going for coffee. Yeah. Or so you said that uh, you re- the one thing you regret on a personal level is the way you did your bankruptcy on a per on a on a business scale of thirty some years of doing business. Any regrets or or something you'll do different? 
I think one of the, the problems in Canada, I remember going to, uh, when we were members of that uh, organization that you're still members of, uh, I remember going to Chicago and meeting the company there. They had 80 salesmen in one office because Chicago is that big. We had 80 salesmen in four offices with four managers, four property managers. It, it you know, the overhead is difficult. So I think that'd be one thing I'd change. But you can't change it. This, yeah. The population of these cities are what they are. Um, a final piece of positive uh, piece of advice for a new entrepreneur. What would you recommend if someone asks you today, I want to start my business, what is your recommendation so I won't make any mistakes or reduce the amount of mistakes I do as a new entrepreneur? Well, I think, you know, the... When I teach my sales course from time to time, I think the three things are product knowledge, sales skills, and motivation. That's the triangle. So one is product knowledge, whatever you happen to be selling, whether you're London Life selling insurance, you know, you've got to know what you're selling or you're selling real estate, you got to know what's current. Number two is the uh, selling skills, which you can go learn. So you can be taught selling skills by Xerox used to have that course. And then the third thing is motivation. You can't teach motivation. So if you're a sales manager, you cannot teach people to be motivated. You can say, okay, you got to be here every day at 8.30. But yeah. the ones that come in at 7.30, you can't teach that. John, I have one last question. Okay. <laughs> the time is running and we'll be cut because we're alive. If you had the opportunity today to have to invite two people for beer, for coffee, for lunch, who would you invite? Dead or alive? Uh, Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Okay. And Elon Musk. I think, uh, I can't think of, these are the current ones that I, I would think of, but I, I've got to think both these guys have got huge brains. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to <laughs> sit and pick them. And, and probably get them to invest with you in the next indication. Yeah. <laughs> well, John, uh, we've reached the end of today's episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, thank you very much for sharing your amazing journey and experiences, um, you know, the ups and downs and being so honest and clear about it. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a new guest sharing with us, uh, you know, the road to success as an entrepreneur. A big thank you to our listeners uh, for being with us. I would love to hear from you uh, at dvwallock at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn. I will meet you here at www.voiceamerica.com variety next Tuesday, October 10th, with our new guest, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Mountain, 7 a.m. Pacific, your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.